This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. And baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. How's it going, everyone? And welcome to a brand new episode of Inside the Ravine. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Josh Schaefer. I'm your host, Blake Harris. Josh, originally the plan for this week, we were going to be uh, recapping the Atlanta Braves series, talking about hopefully a series win. Unfortunately, things didn't go that way. We are going to be talking about the Braves series, what it means for the Dodgers, what it means if these two teams meet up in October, because a lot went down in the four-game series. But unfortunately, we have some other Dodgers news to cover, news that... Uh, I don't think any one of us thought we'd be talking about for uh, this week's episode. For those of you out there that might have missed the news yesterday, uh, it involves Julio Urias, and essentially he was arrested on a felony domestic violence charge late Sunday night. Uh, According to an article from ESPN, he was arrested just after 11 p.m., He was booked into jail around 1 a.m. and he was released on a $50,000 bond just after or just before 5 a.m. He has a court date scheduled for September 27th. But uh, as of right now, the Dodgers haven't done anything in regards to Julio just because I'm sure they're waiting for more information to come out. But Josh, I think it's safe to say Julio has pitched his last game for the Dodgers this season, most likely ever, and potentially in all of baseball for his career. Yeah, this episode is certainly not what we had in mind coming into today for multiple reasons, but primarily because of this. Um, Basically, Julio Urias cannot be allowed to pitch another game for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, And there, for me, are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, The people who might see something like this and think, well, hold on, like, We don't know the full story. You're right. We don't. But enough is enough. Um, The way that I see this is, again, I'm not a judge. 
I am not a jury. I am not a police officer. I am not Julio. I am not the other person involved in this. I am not front office baseball operations for the Dodgers. The fact of the matter is that this has now happened twice, both in a public setting. So let's break that down. Number one, back in 2019, um, police um, reported that witnesses saw Julio push a woman to the ground in a parking lot. It was near the Beverly Center. He was arrested. Um, it was a misdemeanor domestic battery, um, suspended for 20 games, and the Dodgers gave him a second chance. There was seemed to be a little bit of gray area in that situation. Um, Julio seemed remorseful. The Dodgers wanted to give him a second chance. And with that gray area, the Dodgers were more willing to give him another opportunity, to which it seemed that he had kind of redeemed himself. Aside from just having a few really good seasons that followed recording the final out in the 2020 world series, being such a popular player in the city of LA and with the Dodgers, he seemed to have redeemed himself, but now you have another situation in the public eye in a public setting, which number one, I'm not going to speculate. I am not going to assume anything, but that scares me a little bit and bothers me because we have, let's say only two instances both in public, I don't even want to know what else could have happened, not in public. Number two, it's happened twice. It happens the first time. He redeems himself. You give him a second opportunity. You look the other way. He works to better himself as a person. Great. A second time, it does not matter what the situation is. The fact that you have another situation in the first place and that it's in the public eye, it's in a public setting, it's for everyone to see. It is not a good look for the Dodgers. It's certainly not a good look for Julio Urias and his situation. And he simply cannot be allowed to pitch another game for the Dodgers. Um, and it now puts the team in a really tough spot. Obviously, it puts him and his personal life and the other person, the, the, the alleged victim, in an even worse spot. But it's, he simply cannot be allowed to pitch for the Dodgers again because four years after the first situation, something else happens, and that can't happen. Yeah, so the Dodgers, they issued this statement yesterday saying, we are aware of an incident involving Julio Urias. While we attempt to learn all the facts, he will not be traveling with the team. The organization has no further comment at this time. And yeah, there's nothing the Dodgers can really do at this point because what we know is he was arrested. He was in jail for about four hours until he broke bail. And like you mentioned, Josh, how this is his second time. The first one, I, I believe, yeah, he was arrested, but he was never officially charged. You know, they didn't bring him in. He didn't have to, you know, get bail. This is a $50,000 bail. Now, I, I don't know how the system works. I should have followed along more in high school, maybe in college to get a better understanding. But if you're at $50,000 bail, that's... A, that's nothing. That's nothing small. That's that's a big deal. And I was reading some other things from different outlets. I don't have how it was worded in front of me, but it sounds pretty serious. And there was a report that came out from someone that claims they worked at BMO Stadium where LAFC play. They claimed that they were like one of the workers that were involved in, in the in the altercation. But again, that you can't confirm that because that could just be someone making up a story. But if that's an actual worker that was actually working there, and what they said is true. And like you talked about, this is in a public place. I'm sure there's probably video of this out there somewhere. If that comes to light, this is going to be bad. So like you said, the fact that this is the second time it's as big of a deal as it is. 
As of right now, I think the Dodgers, what they're going to do is they're probably going to put him on administrative leave or put him on the restricted list. Essentially what they did with Trevor Bauer a couple of years ago. But with that one, I don't think this incident's going to drag out as long because no. again, if, if there's video, it's pretty gonna it's gonna be pretty easy to uh, you know end this fairly quickly. And I guess the only silver lining is in regards to the whole Trevor Bauer incident is the fact that Julio's a free agent at the end of the year. Once the Dodgers season ends, once they are eliminated in October, or once they win the World Series, he becomes a free agent and he's no longer the Dodgers' problem. The reason why the Trevor Bauer thing was such an issue was because he was under contract you know, through the end of this year, so technically you're dealing with a guy that's under contract. In two months from right now, this is going to be over. It's not going to be the Dodgers' problem, so I guess that is a bit of a silver lining. But yeah, I mean, this is... It's horrible because I don't think as of right now we know exactly who the victim is. I guess you can assume it's his wife. Maybe he was with her. Maybe it was just some other dude. Again, we, we don't know. So whoever was involved in this, hopefully they're okay because it does sound like they were messed up pretty good. And whether alcohol was involved, whether it wasn't, the fact that you mentioned, Josh, this is now twice in a public setting that Julio has been under arrest. It sounds like the first one, he supposedly got into an argument, I think pushed his girlfriend. She ended up coming out and saying she didn't feel like she was a victim, but, you know, Maybe she just wanted to get this over with. It is scary because it makes you wonder what potentially is going on behind closed doors that we don't know about that is staying under wraps. So it's a scary situation. Uh, I I believe the Dodgers are going to do the right thing. Again, as of right now, you can't just release him because he'll file a grievance and the Players Association, they'll take the player's side. So you kind of just at this point have to write it out and hope the investigation is quick. But like I mentioned, Josh, at the absolute worst case scenario... You keep him on the restricted list for two months, he becomes a free agent, and you say, bon voyage, uh, it was nice knowing you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I, that's kind of, it, it is a different situation than the Trevor Bauer situation, um, which I think is going to be ultimately a positive for the Dodgers for a couple of different reasons. Like you mentioned, the fact that he is a free agent at the end of this 2023 season, I think is helpful for the Dodgers because, again, you don't have to try to necessarily fit the way that I see this with the Dodgers. And I hate to transition this back to baseball because this is an issue that goes beyond whether or not the Dodgers win or lose. I think the biggest thing for the Dodgers in terms of maneuvering the situation right now is how do you move on from a starting pitching standpoint? Because in terms of the off the field stuff, it is much better for the team necessary. I mean, I don't want to say that it's better it is a little bit easier to maneuver because he's not under contract at the end of the season. Um, and I do, I, again, I understand that the Trevor Bauer thing and Julio Arias thing are different situations, but again, the Bauer one was long. It was um, drawn out. It was difficult because he was under contract. Um, he was under scrutiny. The Dodgers were under scrutiny just for having him around still, even though they kind of had to, at least up until a certain point right now, the Dodgers can, let him go at the end of the season, not worry about Julio Urias anymore and move on with the franchise going forward. Um, and, and I think that's, and the fact that they've had to go through this already is very unfortunate. It shouldn't be the case, not just for the organization, but these players shouldn't be in these situations. They shouldn't be putting them in these situations or these altercations, whatever, what have you. 
these are not good situations to be in. And obviously that reflects poorly on the team, but given that the Dodgers have had to go through this already with a different player, again, in a different situation, I think the team and the franchise overall kind of knows, unfortunately, how this is going to play out. Um, and again, the contract situation is a little bit better for the team. Um, so again, you know, at the end of the season, goodbye um, and, and, and move on because it, it, it should not be happening once let alone twice in a span of four years, both in a public setting can't happen. And the Dodgers cannot allow that moving forward. And I don't think they're going to. Yeah. Again, when, when you compare the severity, the first time wasn't officially arrested. Uh, again, may, maybe altercations happen. Maybe uh, in the heat of the moment, you just get a little shove in and things happen. But again, I, I believe in second chances. The Dodgers believe in second chances. You redeem yourself. You give yourself time to show that you're able to overcome it. Whatever happened, you know, outside of BMO Stadium on Sunday night, and again, I'm sure in the coming days or coming weeks, more information will come out about what exactly went down. Uh, that's an entirely different situation. Again, based on the unconfirmed report, if that is true, it's just a scary situation. So, Josh, it is tough because at the end of the day, like, you do have to take a look at the big picture and how this impacts the Dodgers because... This is a massive move because Julio Urias is part of their stride and rotation. He's one of the biggest pieces of this team. And now all of a sudden, again, I I doubt I'm putting it at a 96% chance he's not back this season. You're down someone in your starting rotation. So the Dodgers now all of a sudden, they, they had enough issues as it is. They got to move forward. They got to figure out what to do without Julio now. And I'm not exactly sure where they turn. You have Clayton Kershaw, who's probably a guarantee, assuming he stays healthy. You have Bobby Miller, who's pretty much, I think, at this point, solidified his spot in the rotation. And outside of those two, I think that's pretty much it. I don't think Lance Lynn has officially earned a spot yet, whether it's in the rotation, whether it's in the bullpen. But then you just have a bunch of rookies. So what do you think the Dodgers do? And I guess, again, if there is another silver lining, it's the fact that there is still a month left in the season. So they still have time to kind of try guys out, figure a few things out. But where do you think the Dodgers turn now with such a huge loss to the rotation? I don't know. Um, That's a good question because, again, you know, Julio, I'm going to, I'll go as far as obviously I don't know, but I'll say hundred percent chance he's not coming back. Um, And obviously we know that Tony Gonsolin is done for the year already. Um, Lance Lynn is somebody who had been really good over his first few starts. Um, Got knocked around the other night by a really good team. Um, But the issues that we saw with Lance Lynn the other night, which we will get to um, were the same issues that have persisted from his time um, before coming to the Dodgers that were improved when he came to the Dodgers and they kind of resurfaced the other night. That's okay. It's the one game, but again, you're right. Um, I don't know if Lance Lynn is that third option yet. Um, kind of the same thing with Emmett Sheehan. He's been very up and down. Um, he had been pitching for a while, um, was reassigned, got called back up. It's kind of the same thing for me where it hasn't been consistent enough. The other option for me right now is Ryan Pepio. He's mostly, if not, exclusively i'll have to check the the numbers here um no not exclusively but he's almost exclusively been a reliever um in the few innings that we've seen from him um even the games the other day it's really the longevity hasn't been there it's been you know a couple of innings at the beginning of a game and that was it and yes he's looked good but he's coming back from injury so uh again where where did the dodgers go from there i think those are your three legitimate options um how legitimate those options are i'm not sure but for me, those are the three options. Yeah. I mean, 
not that Julio was putting up great numbers by any means, but he was having a really down season. So I, you know, it is a loss, but like it's not as big of a loss really as you would think. So yeah, like you said, Ryan Pepio has probably been the best of the group, but yeah, Josh, his sample size so far is like maybe 16 to 20 innings. We haven't seen a whole lot of him. And again, Gavin Stone, he's looked good. Emmett Sheehan's looked good. The Dodgers are going to have to turn to a couple of rookies for some big innings. Maybe they opt to convert Ryan Yarbrough to a full-time starter. So, yeah, as tough as it is to kind of look at the baseball side of things, you do have to look at it because it it is a massive blow. And one final thing that I want to touch up on, Josh, before we take a break and talk about that Brave series is the fact that it's just such an awful situation all around because of what Julio has been to the Dodgers the last decade. Obviously, he signed came up, you know, a decade ago, whenever it was, and he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball the last couple of years, arguably maybe the second most popular player on the Dodgers behind Clayton Kershaw because of his Mexican fan base. This was a guy that was loved by every single person in Los Angeles, even if they weren't necessarily Dodgers fans. At Fernando's, you know, retirement ceremony, he was one of the few people that was on stage with him, and this was a guy that was probably, even if he would have left this offseason, eventually would have been inducted into the legends of Dodger baseball. And every time, and this, this is the one that kind of like, again, when looking at a baseball side of things, Josh, honestly hurts me like the most is the fact that every time now you want to look back to the 2020 world series. If you ever feel nostalgic, if you ever want to show a family member showing your kid for the first time, the Dodgers winning the world series, Julio's the guy that's on the mound that gets the final out. And for the rest of history, for the rest of time, for any time we ever want to look back on that great 2020 season, Julio's the guy that's on the mound. And every time we watch that, we just had to be reminded of what could have been and pretty much the horrors of, I guess, just the kind of person that he turned out to be, which, again, it it's tough to look at that as a thing when this whole situation's going down, but it, it's, it just sucks from the perspective of so many areas. Yeah. Yeah, it does. There's, there really isn't a silver lining in terms of, you know, um, the situation itself. Um, but yeah, that's something that I thought about too, was, um, how not only has, has he tarnished his own, um, reputation and legacy, which is obviously not the most important thing, um, because it's not, um, but, but yeah, it's, it's disappointing because he did have such a massive fan base. Um, he had, um, a huge following. He gave off shades of Fernando when he came up. But again, all of that too stems after 2019. Like pe- people had to forgive him. You know, the Dodgers forgave him, gave him another opportunity. And then four years later, we're right back in the thick of it again. So that's what's, I think that's what's most disappointing is the fact that um, it happened not once, but twice. Um, so yeah, disappointing. Um you know, I don't think he's going to play for the Dodgers again, and I don't think he should. Um, and the Dodgers are going to have to find a way to move on, both in a baseball sense and as an organization going forward. And uh, and and we'll see how they do it. Yeah, I, I think you can all but guarantee. I mean, even before this, it wasn't a guarantee he was going to be back anyway next season. But will he be back in Major League Baseball? Because I think I saw a report that no one's ever been a second-time offender for the whole domestic violence policy in Major League Baseball. He would be the first. So. If Trevor Bauer got a 324-game suspension and was never even arrested, uh, you would think Julio should get at least that, at least I would think, but 
Will he pitch in yeah. Major League Baseball again? I'm, I'm not exactly certain. Again, more information has to come out. We'll have to wait and see. This is all we know just a day after all this was released. We are going to take a quick break. And Josh, I wish we could come back with something better. <laughs> but unfortunately, it's it's not that great. But we are going to be talking about the Brave <laughs> series. Stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Josh, we don't have to spend too much time on this series because there weren't really a lot of positives to take away. The Dodgers, they hosted the Braves for four games. We talked about this series last week, how it's a potential NLCS matchup. We told ourselves, do not overreact to it, but that's probably going to be tough. A lot of people on social media overreacted to it, and for good reason. The Braves took three of four. They won the first three games, and each loss was kind of in demoralizing fashion. But Josh, I, I don't know how I can put this. But although the Dodgers lost three of four, I'm not really discouraged because all three of those losses, they were in every game. Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, every one of those three losses, they had a chance to win the game. Obviously, Thursday and Friday, they got horrific starting pitching from Lance Lynn and from Julio. And the offense, they just did not hit with runners in scoring positions. So, yeah, you can say the Braves have the Dodgers number. The Braves confirm they're the best team in baseball, but... If the Dodgers just get average starting pitching and get a couple hits with runners in scoring position, this series is likely a split, and maybe the Dodgers are taking three out of four. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I, you know, the first game seemed like the Dodgers were out of it, which is a problem for, you know, if you're a really emotional fan, because uh, when the Dodgers seem out of it, they usually aren't. Um, and this team continues to fight back, and that's exactly what they did. Um they were in a position to not only tie it, but potentially win the game and uh, got a couple of pretty poor ABs um, when it came down to it. Um, and again, you're right. The, the starting pitching was a nightmare in that first game. Um, so I think in the grand scheme of things, it was a hell of a game um, but from, from both teams. Really? It was fun. Um, it made me think, man, the rest of the series is going to be great. A potential playoff meeting is going to be great. So Looking forward to seeing what happens. Um, and, yeah, so, so game one was a lot of fun. 8-7 final. Dodgers had an opportunity to win it and then just couldn't cash in. Um, the Friday night game with Julio on the mound was tough because, again, you know, he got kind of knocked around. This was the one game for me where it actually felt like the Dodgers were, like, getting beat. Because the first game, you know, things weren't going their way. They end up losing by a run. Both teams had nine hits. The Dodgers had poor starting pitching from Lance Lynn, and they weren't incredible defensively. 
this game, I mean, the Dodgers got out hit 14 to six. It was six, nothing at one point. Of course, there's the late home run from Colton Wong, which came absolutely out of nowhere, which was outstanding. This was the only game where I felt the Dodgers really got beaten. Again, they had another error in this one. They weren't great defensively. So for me, yes, they lose the first three games of the series, but this was the one where it felt like from start to finish, the Braves were the better team. But the one silver lining for the Dodgers is that they really are never out of it. And they came back and they made it interesting at the end and they lose 6-3. The Saturday night game was another one where it's like, you can't really count the Dodgers out, um, especially when you come back in the ninth inning. Um, you have the bases loaded. Mookie Betts is rung up on a strike three call that was not even not even remotely close. Um, and again, that was an opportunity to drive in the go-ahead run. Um, and then the extra innings is tough, too. You get the first two outs. Vessia, four-pitch walk on that fifth pitch, gives up a three-run bomb. Um, so again, that was one where it felt like the Dodgers were not only – primed to win but were the better team deserved to win the game and didn't and then of course you have the game on Sunday and this was a terrific game for the Dodgers three runs on 11 hits this was the one where it felt like the Dodgers actually were kind of in control from the start to the end of the game and the best part about it was the Braves get a run back and again the Dodgers answer right back with another run good defense in the ninth inning um good a good pitching outing you know overall from start to finish so again you know I'm not trying to you know, the Dodgers lose three or four games. It's not good. They lose the first three games. Um, and then the one thing that I feel like does kind of feel like a big defeat for the Dodgers is the fact that Acuna had such an unbelievable yeah. series. Um, now, <laughs> I will idea. say, I will say, Mookie Betts also had a terrific series. Um, it's just that when you've got two guys in the MVP race and the guy on the road wins three of four games, has a terrific series on national television, on Sunday night baseball, on Saturday baseball, on Friday baseball. Like it's the big game. It's the big series of the week. Everybody's watching and and Acuna is going off as the road team winning the games kind of doesn't really matter how good Mookie was in the series. So that's the one that I feel like pour some salt in the wound is because how good he was, but look like ultimately like I'm not really feeling super discouraged. That sounds like a guy who covers the team that lost three or four games saying that, but I'm really not discouraged about it. I mean, the Braves are the best team in baseball right now. The Dodgers, I, as far as I'm concerned, are the second best team in baseball. And they showed a lot of fights. So, you know, got caught in a couple of bad starts from the pitchers. Um, a couple of tough calls go against them late. And a couple of ABs that just don't go their way late in games ultimately is what lost in the series. And again, that's how tight things could be in a postseason series. So some things were discouraging. Some things were a little encouraging. And, you know, we'll see how the Dodgers bounce back in the series that follows. Yeah, a couple of quick things for me, Josh. First off, on the whole Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna thing. Yeah, the fact that Acuna just had an insane series that wasn't <laughs> ideal. But Mookie hit three thirty three with an OPS of 1,145. Like, he was yeah. great. He was just kind of overshadowed because Acuna's were a little better. And uh, one thing I absolutely... It's just so classic is I think it was the Saturday or the Friday night game is when the Colton Wong home run happened. When the Dodgers, I think they were trailing, I want to say 6 nothing in the 8th inning. They had like runners on 1st and 2nd, and Dave just opted to wave the white flag, and he pulled Mookie, he pulled Freddie Freeman from the game, and everyone's <laughs> like, what is Dave Roberts doing? Is he insane? How can he pull the white flag? How can he give up? And then Colton Wong hits the 3 on home run, and then all of a sudden it's like, uh, Dave might have been onto something here. This is why you always trust in Dave. I, I just thought that was funny, because literally, I have the tweet all queued up, 
ready to just trash on Dave for this decision as Colton Wong just crushes a three-run home run. I was like, oh, all right, I was wrong. But like you said, Josh, yeah, I also, or I'll let you I also go. saw a lot of other – no, just real quick. I also saw a lot of people on, on, on social media, especially Twitter, obviously, saying, like, what is Dave doing? He pulled all those guys, and we came right back in the game. It's like you're up by so much in the division. You still have yeah. two more games to play in the series, right? You've got two yeah. more games to play in the series. They were out of it for eight innings, okay? Yeah. So you pull those guys out. Like, I understand now you're back in the game and those guys aren't in. Those guys were pulled for Colton Wong who came yeah. in and had the big hit. So it's right. like you can't win either way if you're Dave in that situation because you make the move and it's like, great, like, we're right back in it. It's a shame that the guy that I put in, sure, it makes me look like a good decision, but it's not going to help us in the long run when our big dogs are out. So it right. is what it is. Like, I wasn't really hung up on it. It was more like a – they were down six nothing. So, oh well, that some of the guys are out when it's now six three, and you have a chance to continue fighting to get back in the game. But ultimately, they were down six nothing, and the move that you made worked out. It just didn't work out in the long yeah. run. So, um, I'm fine with it too. I mean, you can't you can't have it both ways, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, again, we're we're being as optimistic optimistic as we could for losing three or four because, as we both talked about, the Dodgers were in every game. You know, the first game they were trailing like I think six nothing, seven nothing. They managed to chip away, and that's after Lance Lynn allowed seven runs in four and a third innings. The Dodgers go one for nine with runners in scoring position. Like I mentioned, one or two hits, they win the game. If Lance Lynn allows five runs, they probably win that game. Then you look at the next one. You know, the one where they go to extra innings. One for 10 with runners in scoring position. They strand 10 runners on base. If Alex Vesia, he's one out away from getting out of it, Dodgers have a chance, you know, to walk it off in that one. And then obviously the, the Colton Wong game, the Dodgers did come back. They ended up losing by three. Julio allowed five runs in five innings. Dodgers go one for five, leave six on base. And even in that the bottom or yeah, the bottom of that eighth inning after Colton Wong hit that home run, I think they ended up getting two more guys on base. And I think it was Chris Taylor came up representing the tying run. So again, if he gets a hit there, it's a whole different series. So yeah, you lose three or four, it's hard to really have any positives to take away from that. But I guess the fact that the Dodgers won rallied in all these games, they were able to come back and two. The fact that a few things go their way, they're able to win those games. And like you talked about, Josh, in October, anything can happen. It takes one or two plays for things to completely switch. In October, things could go the Dodgers' way like they did for the Braves. A lot of people seem to forget that the Dodgers actually won a series in Atlanta a couple of months ago. So clearly the Dodgers can beat this team. They can beat them on the road. It's just everything seemed to go right for the Braves. Nothing seemed to go right for the Dodgers. And you can even make the case for like the Braves on Sunday. It was a game that the Dodgers won, but the Braves are right in it. They, they could have won that game. Yeah. So yeah, it, losing three out of four, not ideal. But at the end of the day, the Dodgers are up by, I don't know, 15, 16 games in the division. And Josh, I, I was hearing Joe Davis talk about this on the broadcast. I don't know if you heard this. Maybe it's not a horrible idea to not catch the Braves because it sounds like the Braves are going to have to play the Phillies in the NLDS, who are have been one of the hottest teams in baseball the last couple of months, whereas the Dodgers are going to play like the winner of Brewers-Giants or Brewers-Reds, something like that. So at the end of the day, maybe this is actually kind of good for the Dodgers not winning the series and potentially getting that one seed. Now they get the likely easier matchup in the NLDS and they can kind of brace themselves for the ultimate NLCS matchup uh, with the Braves. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And that's starting to become a classic NLCS matchup. And I know that it's frustrating to play against Braves because they're so good. Um, yeah. But there was something that uh, Charlie Steiner said on radio this weekend when 
when Acuna came up to bat and you could hear the booze in the background. And I, he put this so brilliantly and he just said, you could hear the booze. And he just said, and here's Ronald Acuna Jr. And then he was quiet for a second. Then he just said, they are booing out of respect. And I thought that was a pretty good way to sum it up because of how good Acuna had been all series. And really like, Again, you know, I feel like there's a rivalry that brews with the Braves for a couple of different reasons. One of them is I think this is maybe a little bit forced by just being a baseball fan and having this baseball perspective. But I think that there's a a Mookie and and Acuna rivalry that the media and the fans have kind of pushed. But there's there's the Freeman versus the Braves. There's the NLCS matchups that we continue to have between the two sides. So – it should be a good postseason matchup if, in fact, it comes. And obviously, you feel that rivalry continuing to brew a little bit. But the fact of the matter is that both teams are so good. It was an entertaining series, I think, for both fan bases because both teams are so talented. Um, and I am definitely interested to see how both teams will respond after such a slugfest this weekend where the Braves, rightfully so, won three of four. Um, but again, the Dodgers, you know, a hit or two in the series could be different. But like you said, same thing on – same thing on Sunday, where I thought the Dodgers were the better team, but the Braves were in a position where, you know, if you got, um, you know, a, a hit to drop in the outfield, could be a different game. Yeah, this this Braves lineup is just ridiculous. Like, every guy is 30-plus homers. It's like what the Giants were doing in 2021, where every guy was just having a career year. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. And, Josh, we keep talking about Dodgers-Braves. That's ultimately just going to set up the Brewers versus Phillies NLCS just because <laughs> the MLB playoffs are such a crapshoot. So we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully the Dodgers don't have to play the Braves again. I'd be very okay with that if the Dodgers had yeah, to play any other team. That'd be very ideal. So hopefully we can avoid the Braves. But Josh, that does wrap it up for today's episode. Again, not what we want to talk about, but more information is going to come out. So hopefully by the next time we record an episode, whenever that is, there's more information. There's more to the story because it is kind of tough talking about this when we don't really know a whole lot. So hopefully that's able to come out and hopefully the Dodgers are able to uh, get through things for this upcoming road trip. It's going to be interesting for Dave Roberts and Co. to have to answer questions, but hopefully they're able to get through this. Hopefully the Dodgers are able to get through this and it's just a small bump in the road towards October. But any uh, parting words on your end before we head out for the week? Uh, still some, some interesting games coming up on the calendar for the Dodgers too. Um, you know, you get another Kershaw day today, um, a couple of games on, on the road trip here. And, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back after such a tough series. And, you know, the starting rotation is going to shake itself out, you know, at one in one way, shape or form. And I'm interested to see how it goes. There you go. So if you guys want to follow the show on social media, you guys can find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Inside the Ravine. You guys can also listen to the shows wherever you guys get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple, and of course the Odyssey app. For Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. Thank you guys so much for listening. We do appreciate it as always. And enjoy the rest of your week wherever you may be.